Neil Aspinall was there pretty much from the start, first as the Beatles' roadie, then later on as Apple CEO. And he was the guy with all the secrets. He didn't speak a lot to the press. He was interviewed for the Beatles' anthology, but there really wasn't a whole lot else out there featuring Neil. So when Alan Cozen interviewed him in 1995 with regard to the Beatles' anthology, it was a pretty rare opportunity. I'm Richard Buskin, and we're Buskin with the Beatles. to do this piece about the anthology in a historical context. And I have this article from the Times in February 1970. And it mentions the, the New York Times. Yeah. It mentions the long and winding road and let it be as both forthcoming productions. So let it be wasn't even out yet. Long and winding road was already in the works. So um, I'm just sort of curious about how far back it went and I think you did the first cut of it yourself, didn't you? Yes I did wasn't really the first cut, it was, uh, it was what, what was available at the time. I'd, um, I'd just compiled, you know, from all sources around the world. I got a researcher in and uh, just found as much footage and stuff as, as we could at that time. What know? kind of stuff was in it? Uh, same sort of stuff that's in the one today, you know. Um, but there's much more stuff come to light in the intervening years. Right. Um, but I, I did collect um, quite a bit of stuff and uh, just sort of edited it down to like a, an hour and 45 minutes, put the credits for, from Magical Mystery Tour on the end so people knew it was the end, you know, <laughs> and uh, really just sent it to everybody in a, like a rough cut form saying, you know, what do you think? And just got put on the shelf. That was that for the next 20 odd years. Yeah, sent it to everybody, meaning her. By everybody, I mean uh, John Paul, George, and Ringo. Mm-hmm. Did they respond? Because I remember John. Yeah, they all quite liked it. Actually. Yeah. They all quite liked it. Uh, John mentioned it in an interview in 1974 on American television, in fact. Um, so it was a going concern for him at that time. But then what happened? I mean, if if they were interested in it, um, did you want to, I think you wanted to find another director to finally put it into shape, or, or what? No, it just, it just sort of went on the shelf, and um, there were other things to do, mm-hmm. you know, lots of other things, to, just on a business level and, you know, other things, and so uh, that's where it stayed until about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then in 89, when, when the lawsuits were all settled, um, I think within a month of the lawsuits being settled, Paul McCartney went out on tour and began talking it up again. And so he clearly was interested in, in it at that point, and you had the impression from the things he was saying that he had talked to the others and that they were all going to cooperate. And, uh, so how did, how did it get revived, and how did it, how did it change from being a basically 100-minute documentary film into this sort of massive thing that it's become? Actually, it was me that uh, called everybody and uh, resuscitated it, if you like, or the possibility of doing it. Uh, but also to do it as a, a series of videos rather than as a, as a theatrical 
production. You know, the one thing that obviously that we had that uh, no other production company could possibly have was access to, um, you know, all John's interviews and footage and uh, that sort of stuff, you know, um, through Yoko Ono. And uh, also interviews with uh, Paul and George and Ringo, you know, and uh, I didn't want a, uh, a mid-Atlantic voice you know, to tell their story. I thought that uh, they'd be much better doing that themselves. And that, that's basically what happened. Financially, is Forbes' projection of, uh, what is it, $130 million uh, seem logical or accurate to you? I don't talk about okay. the Beatles' finances. Okay. To hear more of this interview, go to Buskin' with the Beatles on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com forward slash BWTB.